0: And this episode, I put out on TikTok and Instagram, hey, ask me anything. I've done this before, and it is always a very well-received episode. It always is really high in the downloads. And this one is extra special because it is our 70. 70- third episode in the season finale of the podcast. We are coming back with new episodes in August and it's crazy. The cool timing of this, because we've had so many new people to the podcast lately. I get DMS all the time of people who just discovered it, which is so exciting, which I'm glad to take a break that way. All of our new friends can catch up on previous episodes, but this one is going to be super fun. All the questions that you submitted from TikTok and Instagram. Here we go. Hi, my name is Ava, and this is your Truth For Your Twenties podcast with Mama. Peace. Hey, my name is Katie Bulmer. I was your typical heartbroken and hungover sorority girl who looked for love in boys, Bacardi, and did I mention boys? After the breakup that broke me, I met the only man who can truly fulfill me. His name is Jesus. Shortly after that, I met my husband, the best example I have met of Jesus on this earth. Today, I have never been more sure I am right where I'm supposed to be on a mission to help today's young women find their life calling, stop dating dirtbags, and basically just be who I needed when I was younger. I've been called a big sis, an adopted mom, or my favorite title, a cool aunt. But however you think of me, get ready to be challenged and encouraged. This is the Truth For Your Twenties podcast. Special thanks to our sponsor for this episode, Upward. Upward is a new app for Christian singles looking for meaningful relationships. If that describes you, make sure you head over to the App Store and download the Upward app today. So in full disclosure, this was not my intended episode for our season finale. I put on Instagram a few weeks ago, which one do you want to see for our season finale? Do you want to hear how to talk to a friend in a toxic relationship or God's design for sex? And it was actually a 50 50 split on the poll, which is funny. So I'm like, Oh, well, that's cool. I'll talk about both. And as luck would have it, I found a friend who would be a perfect fit for both of those. And they had a scheduling conflict and could not record before this episode went live. So I was like, well, dang it, what do I do? I'm like, well, I have some things to say about both of those questions. I can definitely add to that conversation and just answer any other questions anybody might have out there. I've been doing a lot of mentoring calls lately. And I find a lot of the same questions come up, the same struggles. So we're just going to tackle all the things. All right, let's go ahead and dive into what I had originally talked about. And that is how do you talk to a friend in a toxic relationship? So... First thing you need to know is your friend is blinded by a few things. And one of those things is confirmation bias. You might've heard me talk about this before, but essentially we all have this confirmation bias is looking for evidence to support something that you want to believe. This is why political arguments are so hard to win because we all look for evidence to support what it is we want to be true when it comes to a friend in a toxic relationship. And a lot of us have been there. You probably know what this is like um or maybe just not even a healthy relationship toxic is a is, you know complicated word but so your friend is looking for evidence to support that the person she's dating is a healthy relationship that this is good for her that this is you know a good thing and you were like um, why the heck how how do you see that i see red flags every which way and she literally just doesn't see that because she's only choosing to see what she wants to see. It's called confirmation bias. It is legit a thing. And we're saying, you know, this is easy to see in a friend. It is very, very hard to see in the mirror. So as you listen to this, you know, you might be having a friend in, in mind, but also think maybe, you know, just perhaps it might be you. Obviously, I hope that you're in a healthy relationship, but just listen with open ears to see if this is perhaps you too. So confirmation bias, obviously blinds blinds judgment. And then there's something called infatuation. I mean, it is legit a thing. There are 11 hormones at play when you fall in love. You might've learned that from our episode with Dr. Christine Bacon. So 11 hormones are actively like flooding your brain when you're in this like, Oh my gosh, he's so cute stage. And you're literally, you know, you've heard it said we're blinded by love it's a thing. It is a thing when you only want to spend as much time with them as possible. Like you only have eyes for them. Someone else could be on fire and you're like, I only see this person. It's infatuation. It is again, a total thing. Uh, side note. I don't know if y'all remember that from the movie Bambi, they said, Oh, she's Twitter pated. And I just think that's the cutest little word. So Twitter pated is the unofficial name <laughs> also known as infatuation and it again blinds you. You are straight like crazy in love. The way Dr. Christine Bacon talks about it is is a natural amphetamine high. Like you are high <laughs> on hormones in love with somebody. So all of these things are good when it comes to romance and, you know, they can do no wrong and you have this fall hard in love kind of situation. But when there are red flags or when there's things that you need to see that don't see, this is when it is very, very important to have trusted friends in your life who only want what is best for you and to be willing to listen. So we'll go back to the example that your friend is in a toxic relationship and you are you know, outside the relationship. You are not blinded in confirmation bias. You are not blinded in infatuation. And your poor friend is drunk in love and has Twitter painted googly eyes over a dirt bag. (laughs) What do you do? So the biggest thing I suggest is it is almost impossible as we talked about with confirmation bias to say, Hey, he is bad for you. You need to get out because then she's going to get defensive and get mad at you. So the biggest thing I suggest in this situation is to ask questions to help her come to the conclusion on her own. So what this may look like, and I, I don't like to say, Hey, we need to talk and make it this whole dramatic thing, but say, say, this is your roommate and you're just making breakfast one morning. And I would just start asking questions like, Hey, you know, I noticed that you and Matt, we're just using that name have been talking for a while. That's awesome. You know, where do you see this going? Like, are you liking where this is going? What do you see long-term? And that, that when you get people start to think long-term, that's really, really important because a lot of people just don't, they're thinking, Oh, I'm only having quote fun. I'm only living for the here and now. And I'm telling you, fun is fine, but what I see so, so often is young couples are quote, just having fun, and then time and relationship and emotional investment, possibly physical intimacy get involved, and six months later, just having quote fun turns into a very heartbreaking mess. So back to our breakfast-making roommate situation. Here are some more questions you can ask her. So tell me what you like about Matt and we're using Matt as an example. Tell me what you like about him. And if she struggles, <laughs> perhaps that will kind of give her some clue like, oh, hmm, there's, there's a red flag there. And again, this is something that you can't, you have to let her find on her own. So then maybe ask, And you can ask this in your own words, but these are just some notes I wrote down. Like, do you feel supported by him? That's so important. It baffles my mind that anyone would date someone they don't feel supported by. And like, he's just cute and he's popular and we have fun on the weekends. Great. But how is that going to work out when you're 30 and there's t-ball and grocery bills? I mean, helping them to think long-term. And then another thing that perhaps can come up that might help them kind of you know, take a step back and to look at the relationship. How do your parents feel about them? Or what did they say about him? And I know they may or may not have met him yet. And there's, there's all kinds of dynamics there with families and stuff, but depending on their relationship, that might also kind of help your friend to think about the toxic and, or just unhealthy relationship. So the point I'm trying to drive home is just ask questions to help her to come to the conclusion that perhaps things need to be looked at a little clearer when it comes to this relationship. And y'all, I get it. This is real. Actually, just today, uh, earlier before I was recording this podcast, I had a mentoring call with someone whose friend is engaged to someone who cheated on her. And girlfriend, her friend doesn't know it. And the girl I was mentoring was trying to be like, how do I tell her? And this is real. And this is complicated. And friendships are broken over this. Breakups happen. Broken marriages happen over this. So I, again, you know, I'm gonna come back to this. Think long term. So whatever you're facing with when your friend is in this difficult circumstances, or perhaps you are, I would write down. Either way, there's going to be a mess, right? If you go and tell your friend, hey, I know that the guy you're engaged to cheated on you, there are going to be tears, there is going to be heartbreak, there is going to be a mess, and it's going to suck and not be comfortable, right? Option number one. Option number two, you don't say anything, you go to her wedding, you cheer her on, you be quiet about the whole thing, and what if it happens and they have three kids, you know? People don't change just because they put on a white dress and a tux. Like no one drifts toward better. Change takes work. So I 100% believe that people can become new and never cheat again, but they don't just drift that way. That takes work. So we're looking at damage control, right? Because either way, it's going to be a little bit of a disaster. So is disaster one before they're married, letting her know the hard thing, hey, And again, in this situation, I would say if she is engaged and you know there's cheating, this is a little bit like step two level. (laughs) I talked a second ago about asking her questions to come to that conclusion and you can still do that. But if you have hard evidence, you might want to be like, Hey, I am a hundred percent sure that your boo was with another woman. However you want to say that. But And again, I know this is tricky because some women are like, whatever, you're a liar. I don't believe you. I believe him. And that is tricky and that is hard and that is complicated. But I would say that is much better than just being quiet, just being agreeable and not saying anything and potentially letting a marriage just kind of self-destruct. So this is the last thing I'll say about this conversation because there's so much to unpack. But ultimately, friendships by their definition love each other enough to say the hard things. I talk about this when I go to sororities. I talk about how, you know, there's this sisterhood. There's this friendship of, girlfriend, I love you too much to let you go home with that guy. Friend, I love you too much to let you not study your chemistry homework tonight. You were meant to be a nurse. Like Friends, by definition, call each other to the best version of themselves. And if that means having a hard conversation and being like, I love you too much to let you stay in this toxic relationship. I understand that that is a hard conversation and nobody wakes up in the morning eager to have those talks. But as a good friend, I challenge you to love her and with love and with grace and genuinely coming to her and getting that she is in love and she, her heart is blind and like genuinely with compassion saying the hard thing. That is a true, true friend. Oh my gosh, that was just question one. Okay. I'm going to get into some more about God's design for sex in a little bit, but before we do that, I'm just going to hop into the questions that you asked on social media. Okay. Somebody asked, what is your best marriage advice? Of course, I could talk about this for three days. Man, having these mentoring calls like the day I record a podcast episode is what I need to do because all of these conversations are fresh on my mind. I legit had a conversation about this very thing like an hour ago. So she asked a very similar question and I answered like this, is marriage is about falling in love over and over, always with the same person. And I love that because... When I mentor young women, there's a lot of just lies out there that marriage or wedding or finding your happily ever after is just going to fill all your wounds and fix all your broken places and you're going to have a life full of sunshine and rainbows. And that is not true and that is not fair. And honestly, I can truly, truly say this and everyone I know who's been married for a while agrees that really a marriage, a love becomes stronger after you've been through some junk, you know, and I look at when Brian and I got married, I married obviously a younger person. He was a youth pastor at the time and we lived in a different city. So a different job, a different, we had different life goals. We just, so many things have changed. And for me, I was working in advertising. I was like, you know, doing commercials all the time. I worked full time and now like transitioning to working from home and having a completely different life passion in life and all the things we're doing we are almost you could say different people but getting to rediscover and fall in love with each other in different stages of life and continuing to date and to show up and choose each other and to keep choosing each other like could you imagine how many marriages would be saved with that kind of mentality that it's not always what's in it for me and you're not making me happy right now and me me me, me, me. it's the mentality of I want to outserve you. What about that attitude? Like, how can I outserve you? How can I show up and love you? Not because you always, quote, deserve it, but because of the example that Jesus gave us at the cross. Can I get an amen? That is what sacrificial, unconditional love looks like. Even when you're a pain in the rear, I want to continue to choose you. And guess what? When someone loves you, even when you're a pain, you're going to be a little bit more lovable and a little bit more soft. This past week, oh, y'all, this past week was the craziest week ever. I'm so exhausted. It was like all the things with end of school year and all the parties and the treats and the events, plus my end of year deadlines. I was working like crazy hours every night, getting barely any sleep, plus this crazy person right here on the other side of your earbuds volunteered to watch my niece and nephew who are toddlers. (laughs) That was all in one week. And I know a lot of husbands would have been like, you straight crazy. I'm going to be at the happy hour. Peace out. But Brian was like there beside me in the trenches every night, like helping with the kids stuff, helping with he brought home street tacos from Costco and my favorite dark chocolate. And let me tell you guys something. I know there's a lot of young women out there. We look at fancy engagement pictures. We look at all of the like fanfare of this beautiful proposal or whatever. That's great. It is. But what matters when you are 40-something and you are juggling the realities of life is a guy who goes to Costco and buys street tacos when the last thing you can think about is what's for dinner and, as a bonus, gets your favorite dark chocolate with blueberries. Okay, so my point to all of that is a couple of years ago I'd have been like uh who cares I don't want tacos or dark chocolate but he continues to date me and get to know me and that was the ultimate best thing I could have wanted in this entire universe on that night was street tacos and dark chocolate it was the best gift of all best gifts marriage is about falling in love over and over always with the same person and it's nice if they buy you street tacos and dark chocolate Okay, another question is how to know if a guy is worth going on a second date with, or things to look for in a first date. Well, that is back to making a dating plan. I talk about this a lot, and that is essentially defining some non-negotiable characteristics. I feel like we have kind of confused this as this culture, right? We're like, you need to make a ten-point list and make a million but bullet points and define all the things that are non-negotiables. And then we have, you know, Michael Todd did this whole book called Relationship Goals, and it says rip up your list. And I don't disagree with either one of these. They're both some good points, and they both have some truth to them. The the rip up your list, by the way, if you haven't heard, essentially it's like you can define what's important to you, but it's like presenting that to God and making that quote list with God. Like it is important to me to have a guy who's debt-free And six, four, awesome. But is that what God wants for you? You know? So that's what that's all about, by the way. And I agree with all that. But the point is when I come to making a dating plan, well, the way I describe it when I talk to girls that I mentor is I have never met anyone who says I'm looking for a porn addicted college dropout who cusses at his mama, but I meet young girls who date these kind of dirtbags because they do do not have a dating plan. And essentially that just means what matters to you? What, what's important before you get lost in cute eyes and like fun date nights and stuff? What are some things you don't want to compromise on? Ultimately, the only thing I'm going to argue that matters is having a shared faith because Christine Kane recently talked about this. I don't know if you guys follow her. She's really awesome. But she talks about how basically there's a triangle, and I've shared this before if you follow me on TikTok, but the men and women are on the bottom right and left corner of the triangle, and God is at the top. And both of them are running toward the prize, and the way Christine Kane shared it is, my sights have always been on Jesus, and my husband's sights have always been in Jesus and we got married and we are still running toward the same goal. The only difference is we're doing it together. I was like, dang, that's good. So all that being said, I feel like that is the only non-negotiable. So when it comes to a date and there's so many more things, like I said, there's books upon books about, you know, compatibility and chemistry and personality types and all of that matters. But Shared faith is your one non-negotiable. And then, you know, what's important to you? Like, do you always want to live in the town that you grew up in on your grandma's property? That's a beautiful thing. That's great. If that's important to you and he's bringing up how he can't wait to move to Aruba for the rest of his life, that might be an issue, you know? Funny side note, my husband and I always joke that I like veggie lovers pizza and he likes meat lovers. And we did not talk about that before we got married. (laughs) it's not a deal breaker, obviously, but it's just kind of a funny joke. So little things that you can think about like, oh shoot, now we have to have split pizza because I like veggie lovers and he likes meat lovers. I'm totally kidding. That's not a reason to go on a second or third or get married or not get married to someone. But like I said, the one non-negotiable is shared faith. That's my short answer. Y'all know Jesus-loving young couples are the chai tea to my latte, which is why I'm so excited to partner with Upward Dating app. It's a new app for Christian singles looking for meaningful relationships. I'm so passionate about helping you define what matters, and most girls I mentor say the number one non-negotiable as it relates to dating is having a shared faith, which is very, very good and so important. So my friends, here is my wish for you. Number one, understand the incredible love Christ has for you. Fall head over heels with the only man who can truly complete you. His name is Jesus. Number two, love that beautiful girl staring back at you in the mirror and the incredible masterpiece that God made you to be. And number three, go download the Upward Dating app and walk with clear intentions into a healthy, Jesus-loving relationship. By the way, please DM me the wedding pictures. Okay, someone else asked how to find your voice and stand up for what is right. Well, my last podcast episode is a lot about that. It's it's called To the Girl Who Is Scared to Share Her Story. But one thing I didn't mention in that episode that I wish I would have was about my experience in going viral. And y'all, getting hate on the internet is a real thing. And I get why people don't want to talk up about controversial topics because someone who talks about sex on the interwebs that would be me. I mean, it is stressful and people are mean out there, you know, and I, I get it. I get why people don't want to do that. But I mean, this is what I talked about on the episode that at the end of the day, you know, what am I going to do? Like look back on my life and say, a shoulda, coulda, woulda. And while I get a random hate comment from user number 725, I I just got a DM this very morning with a girl from like 2am saying, I literally found you three days ago. I just binge- listened to a bunch of these podcasts and they are legit changing my life. I mean, it is worth all of the hate comments from random people who like, and first of all, that's not my audience. I'm not talking to Bill who is 50 and lives in his mama's basement. No offense, Bill. I am talking to Sarah and Abigail and the girls who DM me with those messages like that and so, you know, I heard it said one time, if you're talking to only the people who agree with you, you're doing it wrong and you're not casting a big enough net. And I live for a long time in this little bubble of not wanting to put a lot on the interwebs and not saying anything too controversial. And I'm still, I'm in a mastermind group and we talk about this all the time. I'm like, okay, guys, you got to hold me accountable. I'm going to say something about sex again on the internet. And I, and one thing I will note, I always get a controversial post post looked at by a trusted friend, usually more than one, because I'm only one human and having another set of eyes for feedback. And like, is this, you know, is this true? Is this honoring? Is this helpful? Those are the questions I ask. And I want other people to help hold me accountable for those questions. So when it comes to speaking up for what matters, having trusted friends in your life to kind of keep you accountable is super important. But again, you know, even though you may Get a few haters. Like the block button works just fine, and I just think it's worth it. I think it's worth it for you're doing it for the one. I've said this before, but like you really are doing it for the one. And if I would have stayed quiet for what I'm doing now, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. So I'm really, really passionate about stepping up and speaking out. And if you want to know more, I have a lot more to say about that on my last episode. I caution. I got on a hot seat because. It just makes me heartbreaking to know that there are podcasts that should be started, books that should be written, posts that should be published, and they're not because fear is a butt-faced liar, and I will not stand for that, and if I have anything to say about it, anyone listening within my possible reach will know that her voice matters. I'm gonna scream it from the rooftops. If you follow me for any length of time, you know I've overcome so much with that and I'm still very much on this journey, but please, please, please know your voice matters and go listen to that episode. Okay, another question was, how do you find a faith-based community in college? Well, it depends on where you go to school and what communities are available there. I highly recommend Greek InterVarsity if you are involved in Greek life. They do amazing things for the Greek community. And then get involved in your local church. I know a lot of people are like, oh, well, I have my home church, or for whatever reason don't wanna get involved in a church in their college town. But I know for us, we have kind of quote, adopted several college students who are at their home away from home in their college town. And it really means a lot when you are a college student to have that family environment. And I remember when I was in school, I, I needed a baby doll for some project. I don't even remember what it was. But I was like, dang, if only I knew a family. I'm sure families with kids have baby dolls everywhere. But as a college student living you know, with my roommates, I didn't have any baby dolls laying around. So I had to like go buy uh, however much baby dolls are these days. And that's just one little example. Like if you get involved with a family and just, you know, you can be invited over for dinner and get to learn what different families function like. I just think it's really important to be involved in a local community. And then you also get to know what is important to you in a home church when you grow up and go into the real world and decide what kind of church you're looking for when you, you know, become a 20 something, an adult and maybe get married and have kids one day. So those are just Reasons I think it's really important to get involved in a local church. All right, here we go. How do I know if I've found the one? I am quite confident. Every time I have put a poll out, hey, we're doing a QA podcast episode, someone always asks me, How do you know if I found the one? Well, I also did a little mini book on this because I get this question a lot. And here is what I have to say about that. So I believe the one is a myth. Oh, Katie, that's so unromantic. Okay, just hear me out. If we believe the one myth, then we will marry "quote the one," thinking that they will complete us, and all of our life will be sunshine and rainbows. But then we will get hit with bills and stress and toddler tantrums in real life. Into which a lot of people think, "Huh, maybe I just didn't marry the one, or life wouldn't be so hard." But in reality, the gift of marriage is a lifelong journey of two flawed humans. Learning to love what it looks like to love someone like Jesus loved us. I believe, and I've said this before, that the marriage relationship on earth is a little glimpse of how much God loves us. Our goal as a husband, as a wife, is to show up every day as and show our spouse love as Jesus loved us. That is a responsibility and a gift. Every day when Brian is at his best and at his worst, I get the opportunity to show up and be a little mini Jesus to him and love him unconditionally. And him, that lucky fella, gets to do the same for me. And what a gift. And again, even at our best and even at our worst, yes, it is harder to give love to someone when they are being a pain in the rear. But when we are being a pain, isn't that when we need it the most? That's when we are insecure or feeling low or whatever it is. And that is how marriage is designed. God was like, I know these flawed humans need someone to love them unconditionally. And while no human does that perfectly, he invented this idea, the very beginning, Adam and Eve, this idea of marriage, this idea of you and me through thick and through thin, even when you listen to the dagum serpent, <laughs> even when you're stubborn, like I, he invented this gift of marriage to give us a little earthly glimpse of his heavenly, relentless, everlasting, unconditional love. It's freaking beautiful. Dang. That is what the one is about. So I say you're the one is whoever you choose to be the one. Now, like we talked about earlier, there's so much to unpack. I mean, there's a lot of different reasons why some people are going to be a better fit than others. Number one, non-negotiable is shared faith, but your one is who you choose to be the one. Here's the good news about that, though. Dating is an incredible opportunity to define what matters to you, define some non-negotiables, think about where you want to be in 10 years. Are you two on the same path? Do you have the same values? And that might help you narrow down and sort through and think through, who do I want standing beside me when I'm 30 and have babies spit up in my hair? Like... That's the kind of person through thick and through thin that you want beside you. And that's character. That is your character. Like, and I'm not one of those people who say that good looks don't matter because they matter. I get it. You want him to be hot and you always want to have that attraction and want to rip each other's clothes off. That is healthy. Okay. (laughs) So while I do believe this whole, the one business is a myth because ultimately we're all made to worship. All of us are made to worship something. Some people worship boyfriends, money, fame, popularity. We all worship something. And I know when I was your age and a lot of young women I mentor are worshiping the idea of finding the one and thinking that that is all they need in life. I hate to break it to you. It's unfair and untrue. I say it all the time on this podcast. It's unfair and untrue for a sinful human being to put all of that on them that, you know, they're going to disappoint you. Even the best of husbands and wives are going to disappoint you because they're never made to fill that void. There's only one savior and your boyfriend is not him. And you are not theirs either. Okay, here's some deeper questions. I got one that said she kind of grew up in the church and was told like sex is bad, sex is bad and got married and was like, so now I'm just supposed to flip a switch or something and like be a sex kitten. So essentially what she is referring to is she kind of grew up with a narrative of purity culture. And I did not grow up with that. My husband was taught a lot about that, but A lot of people are kind of realizing now that that was confusing to say the least. First of all, can I just say sex is good? Can I get an amen out there? Sex is good. Sex is designed by God. Take a minute to take that in. It was his idea. And again, it was like, huh, I I have an idea. Not only is it going to make children, but... You know, lots of animals, lots of animals reproduce this way, but humans are not like just any other animal. I legit had a comment on a TikTok where I was talking about trying it before you buy it, and someone was like, "Well, humans are just like all other animals, like elephants." And I'm like, "Why? Why did you choose elephants of all the ones? Like, oh, okay." But anyway, humans are image bearers of God, not elephants, despite what this wise theologian that creeped into my TikTok comments had to say. <laughs> like with the actual like thumbprint of God, it just makes my brain explode thinking of that. And so yes, he gave sex to all other animals to make babies, but with humans set apart. Now, remember he created the whole earth and humans were like the fireworks at the end of the show. We are the only thing that have, what other animal even thinks about God, first of all. And then the same people that are creeping in my comments being like, oh, well, we're all just animals are the same people who say you have to try it before you buy it cool. What other animal has to try anything before they buy anything? But God, in his ultimate wisdom, making man and woman in his own image, giving them this beautiful gift of sex, he wanted it set apart, again, a glimpse, a little taste of how much our heavenly father loves us. And he made it all work together. He decided men and women are going to have All of these hormones come together in this hormone cocktail, like I talked about earlier and bond them like no other, have fireworks like no other, have pleasure like no other. And these two are going to be committed and drawn to each other and bonded to each other and have fun and get excited and have this special connection that no one else has because they have shared this beautiful idea that I have. Woo, woo. Can I get an amen? Okay. So This was God's idea. And I don't know if you've heard of the Song of Solomon. It's in the Bible. And it was like, I mean, it's written in older language, so you have to kind of look at it. But it is so scandalous. It was like ancient day pornography. And Jewish boys could not even read it until they were 16 years old. And it is saying, I mean, it's like a man and woman, like, I want you, baby. I want you. I want you, baby. Okay, sorry. Um, (laughs) But that is... Again, designed by God, we as human beings are supposed to want and desire each other. That whole chemistry and connection is all a good thing. You know, one of the things I hope to teach to our daughters is not to be shameful that they see a boy that's cute and they have like all kinds of butterflies and tingles That means your hormones are working. That means you are healthy. That means you were designed beautifully and perfectly to have that attraction and want a beautiful, amazing marriage one day. Like all of this is good. It is all, all so good. And I think it's very harmful when we give this shameful narrative and that like you're wrong or bad for having those feelings. Like that's unhealthy. And of course, we know it's very unhealthy, too, to say, oh, well, if you have had sex, you're somehow damaged or less than or like that's terrible, too. Uh, the way I explain that, that's the, the lie of damaged goods. That's saying, you know, if I I'm in Chattanooga, if I want to drive to Canada, I need to drive north like no one argues with that. But the lie of damaged goods says, well, I accidentally turned left. I turned east. I guess I'll just keep driving east and see what happens. Eventually, I'm going to fall off the coast of the U.S., <laughs> but we—that's a lot of damaged goods. Oh well, I made a decision that I don't want to make in the future. I guess I'll just keep going that way and see what happens. Like that's crazy. So there are forks in the road every single day. I say that all the time, and I'm very passionate about that. So, sex is not bad. Sex is very good. But you know, it's it's powerful and it's a, a bonding tool. And you know, people say often that it is like a fire in my fireplace. It is good. It is beautiful. It is wonderful the same exact fire in the middle of the floor is disastrous and leaves a big hot mess. People know that is the truth when it comes to a lot of times in hookup culture. And people be commenting on my videos and stuff like, oh, but if that's what you want, then that's what you do. And that doesn't hurt hurt anyone. Like you do what you want with your body. I'm not here to argue if that's what you want to do. You go knock yourself out. Like I'm not, I don't, what I say with mentoring is I'm not here to tell you what to do. I'm here to listen and to help you get to where you want to go. You know, this isn't a matter of opinion. This is a matter of religion. This is a matter of design. This is, you know, I could argue that my car should or shouldn't operate one way or the other. We can argue about all day long but the way is designed is the way is designed. And your body is designed by a good and loving father who wants you to experience the incredible, relentless love he has for you by giving you the gift of someone on this planet who loves you almost, almost, and does his best, even though he's a flawed human, to love you as much as he does, as God does. That is the perfect design of marriage. And I know we get this wrong and I know we fall short, but if we can give and share this gift of sex and give and share this gift of intimacy and selfless love, that <laughs> it would change the whole freaking world. I mean, the the family unit is everything. You look at the Harvard happiness study and it shows that the key to long-term happiness is long-term committed relationships. Economists show that people that are healthier and happier relationships do better at work and do better at their jobs. Just our whole economy, our whole world, it rides on people feeling connected and loved because our creator in heaven wanted us to have this love and this marriage and give us the gift of sex to share it on an even deeper level. Oh, there's so much to say about this. I could go on for 14 different more podcasts. I'm convinced change starts to happen when we start to elevate the way we view sex because we're confusing at best. We say, oh, sex is no big deal, but we're obsessed with it. We say it doesn't matter, but it changes everything. But I think that we need to just elevate honor, respect, realize how powerful it is and realize how fragile this gift is. And it's all of those things. And I think that we would all agree on that. So elevating the way we view this precious gift, not shameful, but just honoring and beautiful and for it to be protected and honored. I'm sweating. Okay. Here's another question. It says, I have a relationship question for you. My boyfriend is not a Christian. He's just never been exposed to the church. He's never gone. How do I have an open conversation with this about how it's important to me in our future of our relationship? I would say have a conversation about it. I get that this isn't as simple as what's for dinner, but if you are considering a future with him, this is something you need to discuss. It doesn't mean he's wrong or bad because he's not a believer. And obviously, I think that you believe that. Obviously, if you're still dating him, I think that it's just like, hey, this is something that's very important to me. And I know you've never been exposed to it, but I happened to look it up and there's this great campus ministry Thursday at two. Do you wanna go with me? I looked it up and there's this great church that meets Sunday at 11. Will you go with me? I mean, it can be as simple as that. We don't have to like overthink it. But another thing I wanna talk about when it comes to that is You may have heard it's called missionary dating. (laughs) Like, oh, you know, he's really great and he's not a Christian, but I'm going to save him. You are not your boyfriend's savior and he is not yours. That you're not his mama. You're not his savior. You're not his pastor. That's not your role. Not that boyfriends and girlfriends cannot and have never in the history of time, quote, saved each other. But that's not your job. That's not your role. And I think that so much evidence I've, I've interviewed um Deborah Frieta on the podcast about this she talks about healthy relationships come from healthy singles we have to be healthy in our own right and that may look like uh growing in your faith that might look like going to the gym that might look like you know mental health whatever that looks like to you you but you can't do that for the other person and that's True with any level of health, relational health, spiritual health, mental health, with any of that stuff. You can't change others. You can only change yourself. But specifically as it relates to faith, I mean, God says to make him Lord of your life, not I occasionally go to church to make my grandma happy. Like there's a book by Mark Batterson called All In, and that's what it means to be a follower in Jesus. You're either all in or you're lukewarm or you're all out. And honestly, you know, the Bible says that I'd rather you be all in than this confusing, like, yeah, I'm a Christian, but nothing in my lifestyle supports that. When Brian was a youth pastor, he would tell the the students like, hey, I'm a major league baseball player. And they're like, yeah, right. We're like, well, I say I am. So that's all you need, right? And that's what we do with with faith a lot of times. Well, I say I'm a Christian. Well, nothing in your life supports it. Well, it doesn't matter. I say I am. Mm, It don't work that way. But it's not... You know, I used to hear that and think that it was like obligations and rules and it would be suffering. It's, it's an experience. It's new life. It's abundance. Like you've never had before. And mostly it's freedom. It is freedom from not being exhausted, trying to do your best on your own strength, but freedom knowing that the work has already been done, that we don't have to earn our salvation, that it has already been paid for us. So when it comes to dating (laughs) <laughs> God's either Lord of your life or he's not. And if God is Lord of your life, it's going to be very hard to date someone who doesn't have that shared beliefs. So first decide how important it is to you. You know, is, is a uh, faith in Jesus, like super important? Do you want it to be Lord of your life? And if you do start to live that out and he may be interested and he may want to to know more about it. If he's never been in church, maybe he doesn't know. Maybe you just invite him. Maybe it can be as simple as that. So, you know, what it should never be is a nagging and a, well, if only you were or you're wrong or you're less than it should never be that. But just inviting him to what is important to you. And again, is it that important to you? Because if it is, it needs to be talked about and it needs to be something that is part of your relationship. Okay, another question. This is something that just comes up all the time in mentoring that I want to address. So here are the two different pendulums of girls that I talk to. And usually, obviously, it's somewhere in the middle, but here's the two opposite extremes. Extreme A is I have very low standards. I will date anyone with a pulse. I don't care how you treat me as long as I am not single. I am happy to date you you can cuss at me, you can cuss at your mama, you can be a college dropout who is addicted to pornography, that's fine. It's all good. <laughs> and then we have Pendulum B on the other side, or Z, I guess we could say, who was like, my standards are so high, unless you are Jesus, who looks like Ryan Gosling, do not even bother asking for my number. And I'm like, all right, girls, <laughs> somewhere in the middle is where we need to meet, Now, usually it's unfortunately the the first one I get more often, two or lower standards, making excuses for guys and stuff like that. It's so interesting having these mentoring calls. The other day I had four back to back and three out of the four girls were in pendulum A circumstances like that i talked about, like guys that they knew had cheated on them, just like bad. I'm like, oh, red flag, red flag. And then the fourth call that I had was the opposite, like he, he, and it's not, I don't always talk about guys by the way, that just, you know, obviously is a hot topic that a lot of people have questions on. But anyway, the, the fourth call was like the total pendulum Z where it was like, he was the incredible guy, like everything you can imagine. And she, I think really got caught up in romance culture. And so that's what I want to talk about real quick, because we have seen the movies and the fanfare and the YouTube videos and expect That an angel from the Lord will appear with backup dancers (laughs) revealing the person that you should marry. And if it's not that, then it's wrong. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) Disney and social media, like, let's be real. I mean, you're gonna find, I've talked about this all the time, you're gonna find a flawed human. And because guess what? You are a flawed human. So, you know, we've talked about this, but have some non negotiables make a good decision. Don't get clouded in confirmation bias, have the willingness and the guts and the maturity to listen to people who love you and want what's best for you. And maybe even ask, what do you see on the other side of this relationship? And if people around you love you and love him, then what do you have to worry about sister? Like, you know, we can't overthink this thing. Like, of course, you don't want to rush into these huge decisions. Of course you need to be responsible and be smart about dating and especially marriage, but <laughs> there's not going to be an angel at the Lord with backup dancers. Sorry. <laughs> I legit have these conversations where people are like looking for more, like how, how much, what are you looking for? I, I blame Disney. Anyway, I think that was a good place to wrap this bad boy up. I have covered all of the hot topics that I get and all of the best questions, and I am so thankful for you. We have a goal of reaching 100,000 downloads by July 1st, this podcast baby's second year birthday, and we are inching and inching closer every day. Last I checked, we have 94,000 knocking on that door, but please help to continue to share this to leave those iTunes reviews because we're not going to have any new episodes in June. So we definitely need that sharing juice to go check up and catch up on any past episodes that you might want to listen to. I'll be sharing some top downloads. Hey, I am so thankful you are here. I am so honored to be in your earbuds today, and I hope that you got some truths for your 20s. I'm over here giving you a virtual hug because you just finished another episode of The Truth for Your 20s podcast. Would you help a sister out and take a screenshot right wherever you're listening and share it on your social? Give me a tag at Katie Life so I can give you a big thank you. You sharing it, you leaving your reviews on iTunes is the best possible compliment you can give. Hey, let's continue to hang out. We have a private community called Truth For Your Twenties over on Facebook. So just go to groups, search Truth For Your Twenties and come join the party.